Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 60 of Beer Now the Podcast Adjunct Series Quarantine Edition. 60 episodes. It's kind of crazy. It's weird with this new thing when we already went to like 160 on the first season and coming back and kind of redoing all these, uh, you know, milestone episodes. It's super fun. So this evening, folks, we have a great, great brewery that uh, I've been wanting to learn more about for a while after hearing uh, extraordinary things about them from uh, our community. But before we introduce them, we are going to talk about our sponsor. Once again, we are sponsored by amazing Dr. Nick's Amazing Man Stuff out of Massachusetts. Look at these bad boys right here. They make uh, beard products to keep your facial hair super fire. So they do a whole bunch of stuff. They do oils, they do balms, they do beard sanitizer, which is crazy. I've talked about all of those things individually before. So this evening, I want to talk about this signature series. So they have a, a series called Beard beer that are actually inspired by uh, craft beers, IPA and a, uh, and a stout so far. They're actually working with brewmasters, um, huge breweries like Treehouse, Trillium, Lawson's, Vitamin C out of uh, New England to actually create bead oils after those beers. So that is why we're working with them because we're very much aligned. They're a super craft company that's literally like a husband and wife team. Um, they are based out of Massachusetts, like I said, all of the products, the actual oils themselves, and they are sort of super expensive essential oils and not fragrance oils. Very different. They explained on an episode recently Nick was on, and the fragrance oils can kind of make your skin chafe and give you like reactions, whereas this expensive oil is actually done by a Reiki master in Hawaii, and they bless the damn oils. That is crazy. Um, so this is a signature series. This is my favorite. This is the number nine. Uh, it's got lavender, orange blossom, and sandalwood. You smell like damn potpourri. It's gorgeous. I'm not a beard product type of bloke, but like I really fuck with these. These are great. Um, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing. I love their ethos. To be honest, like I really love their ethos. They they are very you know, they approach it in a craft beer fashion. So you know it, it aligns with everything that uh, that we're about here on BOS. So. For you gorgeous humans, if you are looking to get involved in this, we have a special discount, of course. They are offering 15% off using the code BAOS21. The link is in the description already. And basically, uh, you go to the website, you order that bad boy, and if it's over 40 bucks, and these are like 20-something dollars, um, it's free shipping within North America. So, mate, get some beer oils on ya. And on that note... This uh, this evening, folks, we are talking to a very special brewery out of Port Perry, Ontario. I haven't been there yet. Um, I've had a few of the beers. I'm extraordinarily impressed. I'm excited to learn more. But you know what? I'm not going to introduce them tonight. I'm going to let someone else introduce them. So welcome the whole team from Old Flame Brewery. First of all, welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> and I'm going to let the gentleman below me, I'm not going to say your name because I want you to introduce yourself. Yeah, you're awesome. Thanks, Greg. Uh, we are Old Flame Brewing Company out of Port Perry, Ontario. Um, if Craig would have allowed us, I would have brought the whole team on to the show tonight. <laughs> um, but this is a few of us. Um, and it's my absolute pre- pleasure to introduce our head brewer, Cam Cottrell, hey. our communications and brand uh, manager, Kira Deach. Hey. And last but not least, uh, my name is Richard Park, and I am the brewmaster at the Old Flame Brewing Company. You know what that Thanks means? for having us. Hey, mate. You know what? Hey, you need another one. <laughs> uh, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out this evening. I uh, appreciate y'all. I'm super looking forward to, wow, you guys are commenting already. 
um, to, to getting into everything. Let me just quickly, so I guess I didn't tell you that because we are live on YouTube, people sometimes comment, ask questions or whatever. Um, Bassam, who's a fellow, a good friend and a fellow YouTuber and looks familiar, he got these beard oils. He said, I've used the lime-scented oil and balm. Haven't used the orange one yet. Mate, get on it. It's beautiful. His beard is glorious. <laughs> Tiff is saying, I noticed your beard looking quite smooth in the last one. Love it. So, oh, here we go. If people don't know, in the, uh, the comments here, if you want to check out Old Flame on Instagram, Tiff has placed the, uh, the link there for y'all so you can check them out. So, before we even get talking... You guys are pretty thirsty, as am I. And we're going to talk a lot more about this Craft Lager Mix Pack this evening. And we're going to start with this gorgeous little number, the Blonde Hellas Lager. Look at that, man. Look at it. Beautiful. Um, would you guys like to tell us a bit more about this one? Yeah, it'd be my absolute pleasure. So we'll work our way through the series tonight. Um, but uh, the order that we'll take our beers... Um, is from lightest to darkest. I think that way we'll be able to capture all of the nuances as we go. Perfect. Um, but this blonde uh, Hellas lager for us is extremely special. Um, you know, I actually, it's funny. is I was actually just on the phone with um, our malt supplier in Germany. And uh, we, one of the things we talked about was this style of beer is really... Uh, it represents a brewer's pride in the sense that there's nothing nothing you can really hide from. There's not much to it. Um, it's not a complex uh, recipe. Um, you know, you have some incredible base malts from Germany, Bamberg. Um, and at minimum, we're giving it 28 days um, to make. Uh, but man, once you get into it, uh, the beer kind of talks itself. It's extremely crisp. It's extremely uh, refreshing. Um, it's one of my go-to beers, but uh, yeah, why don't we kind of get into it and we'll, we'll let everybody else kind of contribute. I love it. I think we all kind of sipped anyway, but get it in you guys. Cheers. Look at the clarity <laughs> on this. Cheers. exception. Mm. It's great. It's got a, um, a nice balanced malty sweetness, like that nice bready cereal vibe to it. Um, nice and dry, touch grassy and earthy, not over the top. There's a little bit of like mild bitterness in there that kind of uh, keep, brings it all together. Um, it's glorious, man. This is the second time I've had this beer now and... Uh, it's yeah. It's it's just like a really well made, you know, well executed uh, hellas, and it's even cooler that you guys are getting the malt from Germany. That's dope. I love it. Um, and this is uh, sorry. Continue if you're gonna say, Rich. Sorry, man. No, I was you know I was gonna say it's. Uh, I really appreciate the the comment about well executed because, um, you know, execution yeah, is. We we take it kind of seriously. <laughs> Um, and I don't know how, how technical we want to get it tonight, but, you know, Cam laughs right over there just because it's funny what kind of arguments and the types of heated discussions our team will have over the smallest little detail. And it's funny, you know, even Kira and our front of house team and, and really across the board, like the care and the attentiveness to detail is actually scary. It's, it's probably one of the most like gut-wrenching positions to be in mm-hmm. at Old Flame to be on the production side because everyone will call you out on everything. Right. That's good. That's where you need to be. And that's, you know, I feel like for this style, there's so, uh, there's a lot of room for mistakes and no room to hide. It. So that attention to detail seems extraordinarily necessary. Um, should we touch on this pack or should we just to explain that that's what we're going to be drinking tonight, maybe, and then we'll get into the beer histories. Yeah, I can chat about the pack here. Yeah, tell us, Kira. Um, 
this craft lager mix pack, we're just so excited about it. So it's hitting the LCBOs on May 23rd. And the reason why we're so stoked about it is that like, we just really think it's a unique pack uh, filled with loggers. And that's a huge feat to be able to say and to, be- to brag about. Um, and we always take a huge pride in the fact that our box and each of our cans are designed to be an invitation back to the brewery, right? We want people to come once this COVID is over. We want people to come visit us witness the magic of the tap room and um, hang out and enjoy a beer all together because that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. And I must mention, there isn't a single beer in this box that has not won an award, which is amazing. Yeah, we're super stoked. That is thanks to Richard and Cam, all their hard work back there. (laughs) Bloody legends. Now, this is, I love this whole idea that, uh, you know, you can get the four core, would these be your core or flagship beers in this one that we're going to go through tonight? Is that, or is that not accurate? Yeah, no, that's yep. our core. Those are our four core beers that we, uh, yeah, take pride in. I love it. So just for people who know, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna get to it, but we got the the Hellas Lager, Vienna, a Dunkel, and then a Black Lager. So it's gonna be a crispy evening. I never get to do this, by the way. Like I usually, <laughs> because of the way that you know this type of platform is, I've kind of got to always be drinking something different and documenting and you know, I never get to just sit there and drink crispies all night. So I've been very much looking forward to just hearing about the beers and then you know, crushing it. It's glorious. I'm so excited. So I want to get into the beer histories of you guys, then we'll move into the history of the brewery. Shall we start maybe with Kira ladies first? Would you like to talk about how you got into craft beer? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was pursuing uh, a degree in media studies uh, a while ago now, I guess. And I was just sitting in the classroom and I was mm-hmm. thinking to myself, I'm like, man, how am I going to merge like this degree with like something I really enjoy doing and pursuing? And it just hit me like a train. I was like, man, I love craft beer. Like, why don't I just try to merge the two and pursue that? So really just started on that road. Uh, after school, I worked um, with a PR company uh, at Fronted Labatt. And then that was a really great experience. I learned a lot, but I really wanted to get into the craft scene. So um, Old Flame was hiring <laughs> and I started started as a bartender and I kind of just worked my way up to uh, fronting all communications and brand experience and I just love it. It's super awesome. I get to talk beer all day and I do it in my spare time too. So <laughs> um, it's just really great. I'm super I blessed. That. Yeah. I love that you started as a bartender and ended up in comms. Like that's, that's, you know, the upward mobility within a, a, you know, a small company like that is very cool that you're able to go, you know, show an interest in that, have your history in that, and, you know, be willing to even be working, doing PR at a macro and then come to a micro and be like, look, I'll start as a bartender and work your way out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Um, Cam, you haven't said much yet, mate. Let's get, let's get your history with that glorious hair you've got. There. I love it. I, I was just enjoying the beer. I really appreciate you commenting <laughs> on the clarity. That is something I have worked oh. so hard on lately. I can't even tell you. Really? So, yeah? uh, oh, dude. I was, I was enjoying it. Okay, I love that. Honestly, this is one of the clearest beers. And I guess you can't really see it in the camera, but it's got this like sexy ass little like bubble burst thing coming up from the bottom. I tried to have like somewhat proper glassware and uh, mate, well done. Thank you. Thank- <laughs> I really appreciate that, honestly. So, um, my history. Uh, I'll just go right with my history is a little bit. It's interesting that I'm at German beers now because I actually started. Uh, really getting into beer when I, I was living in England. Uh, my wife was doing a master's degree there, and I was a bartender as well. Um, 
similar story to Kira, and I fell in love with cask beer. Right. And uh, yeah, go figure, right? Um, and the thing that brought me back, I started homebrewing when I got back to Canada uh, after living in England, and and I, I I couldn't get enough. I couldn't find the the flavor varieties that I wanted to from cask beer, mm-hmm. and eventually. Uh, I, I quit my job and went to the, the brew college and uh, got my Niagara Brew College, yep, um, where I met Richard, actually, uh, which is where <laughs> this connection comes back in. And uh, then I went to work at uh, Collective Arts Brewing in Hamilton for uh, just short of three years until uh, Richard contacted me um, earlier in 2020, and we started talking, and he 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 preached the gospel of German loggers and I was sold instantly. Can't, can't say no to the man. Look at that face. Absolutely not. I love it. I love that everyone, uh, so many people go through, there's like two ways, I guess, you either go through that school or you go through, like every city has their kind of like brew school brewery. Like I think Toronto is typically Mill Street, uh, Amsterdam, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Montreal, we've got totally. St. Louis, um, stuff like that. So it's like, it's one or the other. It's just so fascinating. And I imagine that it's like, it seems like that's where a lot of those early connections are made. And then you're able to leverage that down the track. It's like the Harvard of being, go there, meet the people. And then, you know, people can cherry pick later on after. I love that. That's dope. That's so cool, man. Thank you. Uncle Rich. Talk to me. Yeah. So I actually, before I kind of get into mine, I got to say, I, uh, I think one of the coolest things about working in the beer industry specifically maybe broadly Canada, specifically Ontario, um, and very much like at Old Flame. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone, you, you can't really meet anyone in our industry that said that they wanted to be in the brewing industry. Right. Like somehow we all kind of just got caught up in this vortex and ended up here. <laughs> Whereas like in other parts of the world, like for example, in Germany, like mm-hmm. when you get vocational training, like you've decided to become a brewmaster at 17. <laughs> And I think that like, I think, I think that contrast is fascinating. Um, and so for me, my story is not very much uh, different in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I went to B school. Um, I played in the corporate sector a little bit. Um, I, w- I had one of my first gigs at a school was actually with one of the big breweries. And um, uh, I started with the intention that I was going to be on the commercial side. So, you know, sales, marketing, finance, I did a lot of my projects on that side of the business. Um, but by happen chance, I, I got an opportunity to work at a brewery um, in Montreal. Um, so Craig, I was telling you earlier that I spent some time in Montreal and yes. um, I was working at, uh, I was working in LaSalle there. And uh, Which you know, I very much thought of it as like, a, uh, so it's actually a Labatt's Brewery. Okay, nice. Yeah, where they make uh, saint Con, right? Yes, of course, classic guy um, for some reason. Yeah. It's a uh, man. It's a cult following out there. It's really cool to see. But uh, yeah, I, I honestly thought of it as a project that it was just kind of in passing. But man, I caught the bug and I caught the bug hard. Um, I try to stay uh, there as long as I could, but um, probably in about twelve months, I found myself at Niagara College. Uh, finished that up, met Cam, and uh, there was really only one brewery I wanted to be at, and it was at Old Flame. And similarly to Kira, um, I worked as like a shi- I worked as a shift brewer uh, as part time, made it to full time, um, then started owning certain, proce- uh, certain parts of the process, uh, started increasing the team, and then 
Um, fast forward now, and and I get the privilege to kind of uh, own the operations from raw materials all the way to finished good. Love it. So we've got some nice sort of uh, varied backgrounds here with uh, different job roles. So it's going to be interesting to uh, to hear it all, all come together. I love it, guys. Thank you for that. This is great. I was just sharing this with Tiff, and uh, she has just connected that. <laughs> so if people want to check out the actual beer on the Old Flame website. It's in the uh, comments there. So um, now we know how you guys all got to Old Flame. Could you guys speak to the actual history of the brewery, how old it is, how it came about, and and – I definitely want to hear more about the focus on the German stars and lagers and stuff like that. And, you know why that was something that the you know was the was the the purpose or the vision of the brewery. Whoever wants to go. Yeah, I can I can take a I can chat about that. So our owner Jack uh, Jack Doak, he mm-hmm. back in 2013 he really set out to um, open up a brewery, and I mean he was born and raised in Newmarket, so they sought out a brewery in Newmarket at first um, in the old fire hall and a whole bunch of red tape and restrictions kind of stopped them from ever it happening. So plans ended up falling through after like 11 months of waiting, right? Um, It's always a waiting game when you got to like deal with government stuff, but it ended up falling through. And I remember Jack always talking about how he was super bummed. They didn't know how they were going to come back from that. And turned his attention to poor Perry, which had really been a spot that was near and dear to his heart. He would always pass through with the, his fam on the way up to the cottage. And there was a building for sale and it was for sale for 11 months the entire time that they were in Newmarket trying to get it up going. This building was for sale. It was most recently um, the town's LCBO. Um, they bought the building and they started renovations Um they didn't quite know how they were going to tie the name Old Flame into it, right? Because they had the concept first. Oh, and the they got, yeah. So they were like, oh man, like, how are we going to tie all this in? And then so they start construction and then they pull back the ceiling and they find all these burnt beams. And they're like, oh my goodness, like, what happened here? So they take a deep dive into the history and there was a big historical blaze that took down the building and most of the downtown of Port Perry, actually. Um, so there was an old flame in the building, if you will. <laughs> um, and that was really like what signified like that we were supposed to be in this building here in Port Perry and, um, that it was meant to be our home. So after that, they took a deep dive into the history. And, um, so the building was originally built in 1874. Um, it was originally the Ontario carriage works where they made, um, horse-drawn carriages for people of the area. It traded hands many, many times, different uses, a blacksmith, shoe factory, um, tons of history. So you guys got to come to the brewery and get the full tour from me because I could talk about it forever, okay? (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then, I don't know, eight years later now, the New Market Brewery uh, became available again. And we couldn't pass up the opportunity to um, apply for the request for proposal. And by a miracle, we got it early 2020. And so that's where we were able to open our second location back in that original location that Jack first sought out in Newmarket. Mm. So it kind of brought the story full circle, right. which was really awesome. <laughs> that's super cool. So is that is the Newmarket um, location open now? Like it's, actually- it's open for retail, like as open as we can as be right as- now with, yeah, the, with the lockdown. But we were getting ready to open like right as they locked us down this third time. Like we were super bummed because we finished the patio and everything. So 
we're hoping by the time this lifts, we'll be able to welcome some people through our doors in Newmarket. It'll be really exciting. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Smith is saying, can't uh, wait till lockdowns and all that noise is done to visit <laughs> so Hopefully this summer. Yes, indeed. Sorry, continue. Um, and Carrie, if you don't no. mind, I'll jump in on the German lager side. Yeah, um, I was going to throw it over to Rich there for that. Um, it, it, it would be like, I guess one of the ways we can talk about why this focus on German lagers, but before we kind of do that, it's kind of hard not to talk about Old Flame without talking about Jack Doak. Right. And uh, he very much wanted to be a part of tonight, but uh, he kind of let the young guns take control here today. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to see this, but I think he would have had trouble with uh, getting his <laughs> webcam, you know, hooked up and stuff like that. I would have so had think... to do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, let, let me say a couple of things about Jack, and, and it'll, it'll inform a lot of the decisions and, um, uh, you know, direction that we've taken as a team and as, as a brand. Um, you know, that Jack is a really unique guy. He's, um, he's had a career and a life that I haven't really uh, seen before in other people. Um, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's played in a lot of different spaces, anywhere from fitness um, to health and wellness, um, and then eventually he finds himself in the craft beer industry. Um, but whatever kind of um, industry he's played in, he's always had a, a focus and a, um, a common thread between all of his businesses, and it's always been a focus on um, customer experience and just kind of blowing people's minds away when they spend their time and money um, at any of his establishments. Um, so that's one. Another thing... Uh, that I think is pretty central to a lot of the projects that he's done is he's always kind of decided to go against the norm and follow the road less traveled. So if you back, you know, rewind, you know, seven years and you see kind of this proliferation of the craft industry, you know, everybody kind of went in a similar direction. You saw the explosion of IPAs and ales, quick turnaround beers, um, the addition of ingredients, Um, And it was just about being loud and bold and, um, you know, who has higher IBUs than who. And and the conversation was extremely exciting. So the only way at the time to go against the grain was to play on subtlety, to play on crispness, on cleanness. um, And rather than focusing on new, almost positioning your brand on tradition and the way it was always or the historic factor of, of beer. Um, and I'm sure Kira will go into this a little bit later, but, uh, the name old flame actually is in reference to, uh, like love lost. Okay. Everyone's kind of first love. It, it has like a romantic angle to it, whether it's, uh, you know, a significant person, you know, or, or a memory that you're fond of or a, a place or a time, um, anything really worth remembering. Um, so it only made sense that we designed these beers that, were rooted in the tradition of, of beer. Gotcha. I love it. That makes a lot more sense as well. Like, so therefore you got multiple layers to the name from the original firehouse to the new, the beans and the existing, the Port Perry location now to, to like something lost being the tradition was kind of lost for a while, Definitely. particularly in the boom of craft beer, which makes a lot of sense. And I guess, Therefore, so you guys were eight years old, is that correct? So what you say, Kira? Eight, 
It started eight years ago. Sorry, you cut out there. Okay, no worries. It's, do you guys start it eight years ago? Is that when the first brewery opened? Yeah, 20, 2013. Yeah, we were able to open the doors 2014, a year after uh, renovating the space. Perfect. Okay, amazing. So you guys started out with the intention of predominantly focusing on German style beers or like mostly lagers. Is that, or is it exclusively like? Because I swear I've seen you guys do an IPA. So I feel like it's. Yeah, yeah, we've got we we do IPAs like we do New England West Coast IPAs. We have a New England IPA called Sean's Way, and our West Coast is Perry Love Mary. But yeah, from from the get go, um, loggers were the focus. Um, okay. And yeah, I remember Jack telling me about a conversation with a with an industry colleague, Roger Mittag, saying, "Hey, no one's really doing loggers. Like that is a path you should pursue." And, and we've just ran with it and really just tried to refine it as best we can and try to produce some of Canada's finest loggers right. to the best of our abilities, really. So, which obviously you are doing, and uh, based off the medals, <laughs> based off, like, honestly, I, I, I had your, I swear I tried your stuff years ago, like, randomly at the LCBO, where maybe, you know, my girlfriend's from and our producer's from Toronto, my brother's there, family, like, we lived there first before moving to Montreal. So I'm very tapped in with the Ontario beer scene because we were there so often. But I didn't realize the level of respect and, and the way that you guys are viewed within the community until, you know, like posting on Instagram and I'm like, what's your favorite? I always just ask some stupid engagement question. What's your favorite crispy boy or whatever? And you guys <laughs> just kept coming up time and time again. So obviously you guys have been doing it, you know, doing this, this style at a high level for, for quite some time. And I feel like it wouldn't be accurate to say that you guys had it's super convenient that you had positioned yourselves as these lager lords over these last few years when, when the trends had turned back around, you know, like you were saying earlier, like uh, Richard went from like just throwing everything in beer, which I'm all for that as well. But there's this new appreciation that seems to have hit the industry over the last two or three years, maybe probably longer in the States where lagers have just dominated. And that's really, you know, what people are about. Have you guys seen an uptick of interest or, appreciation from the wider craft beer community now being that lagers are uh, what the cool kids want <laughs> i can jump in on that one a little bit Please like do. as a guy who's coming from a, a hype brewery you know i made yeah. hazies and sours for the most part previously um i can say that all my brewer friends are always talking about the vienna <laughs> right. so I, I think it's it, it is like as a brewer, I, I love drinking our lagers. I think it's it's something you can enjoy on a day to day basis. You can you can have it with food. It goes with everything, um, and it's it's challenging too. So that's that's a big one. You know, like we want to move into the areas that it, it it just is so fulfilling to make. You know, this great blonde because there's so many aspects in it that change it so much. So I think and I think people are coming around in the in the general populace to that as well. Um, you know, it takes brewers loving making it and then the people will follow and I, you know, I, I'm seeing nothing but great engagement for it. That's awesome. No, I love, I love that. I like yeah, that. I, sorry. Please, no, go Kira, please, please. <laughs> no, I was just going to say building off of what Cam said, like I remember I was doing a brewery tour once and, um, I got into it with some guy about lagers because he's like, oh, lagers are boring. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, they can be super flavorful. I was like, they're, I was like, there's tons of different ranges you can go with it. But yeah, I think they're really kind of starting to get the respect that they deserve in, in the mm -hmm. industry, which is awesome. That's a great point. I feel like that mindset is, I haven't heard anyone really say that um, for a while. Like, the lagers are boring. I feel like really, like, the scene has gone so far beyond that. I've, I've said that absolutely, but... 
that's when we were inundated. I've been in the beer about 10, like heavily for 10 years. And that's what you drank, started macro lagers, or European lagers. And after a while, they all kind of taste the same. And then it got really exciting to discover ambers and porters and brown ales and stouts and then the Belgian stuff and the other English styles and whatever, whatever. And you go on to the crazy stuff that's happened, you know, in 2016-ish with the haze and with the kettle sours and blah, blah, blah. So that has come full circle. I think you almost have to go through all of that process. I'd like to hear what you guys think. Do you, do you think people need to have gone through all of that to truly appreciate the, the value and the beauty of, a, of the simplicity of this type of this stuff? Uh, let me take a shot at that. And um, I want to, I think one of the best ways I've gone about trying to explain the, the evolution of our industry is actually, if you look at coffee mm, okay. um, uh, and, and coffee's really kind of developed over three waves. Um, you know, the, wave one was like, you know, coffee used to come in these like tin canisters. Yeah. Uh, you'd buy coffee and you used to get free refills. It was like a commodity. And so that to me represents when our industry was kind of in that macro phase, you know, it was all light loggers and nobody was really thinking about what they were drinking. It was only just how much of it are you drinking? How much did it cost? And like, where are we trying to go? Um, But then, and then in coffee, like wave two was all of a sudden people cared about like the country of origin. Like, where is it coming from? What, like when it comes from Ethiopia, what does it taste like? When it comes from Jamaica, what does it taste like? And so, you know, often a paralysis is like, okay, all of a sudden, people are starting to realize in our industry that there is actually more than one type of beer. You could have like different types. Um, and then the third wave of coffee, all of a sudden, it's not the country of origin anymore. It's like, what farm is it from? What type of agricultural practice do they employ? Like, are they environmental stewards? So like that level of complexity is like continuing to get deeper and deeper. And you're starting to see that in our industry as well. And so I I really think that craft beer is kind of in between that second and third wave where um, everybody knows that there are different styles. Everybody knows that within the style, you can have a tremendous range of good and bad. Um, You know, beer, one of the complex things about is there's four kind of primary ingredients. We've really dug deep into one of them, which is hops. And as uh, brewers, as the industry, as consumers, we, I think we have such a good level of understanding for that ingredient. But man, like there's three more ingredients we haven't really talked about. Like malt. Oh man, when the industry like shifts over to malt, it's going to be complex. Uh, you could talk about terroir. You could talk about where it's from. You could talk about how the sunlight hit the barley as it was growing in the field and how that impacts the flavor. Um, water is complex. Yeast is complex. Like you talk to any of the guys at Escarpment Labs and, you know, they're all betting on the fact that yeast is going to be the next driver in the conversation. Um, so to answer your question, I think this whole journey that we've been on as brewers, as consumers, as fans, like we're kind of just in the middle of it and there's still so much more to go. Great point. I'd also like to mention that third wave coffee was invented in my hometown in Melbourne. So, I already found that out recently. I had no idea. Um, hey, man, take the credit when you get it. Got it right. Got it right. I even learned how to drink coffee in Montreal, funnily enough. I messed up. Um, okay, that's dope. So I totally feel you. So I feel like the that, that whole, even if people haven't gone through that journey, uh, and that's a really fantastic analogy for any coffee drinkers to, to sort of like, you know, to follow that through. There's almost like a, there's a new era of, uh, of drinkers who didn't do what, 
wheel did and, and go through that sort of flavor wheel and stuff and then being introduced to the game via New England IPAs or kettle sours or fruited sours or something like that. And I almost feel like because of the hype breweries, like uh, um, I think Cam just said that, that the, you know, when the brewers make it, they have to make it, make it fire. And then, you know, then the people get to sort of drink what the brewers are into because the brewers are making those primary decisions that the, the people are almost being uh, fast forwarded instead of having to go through that, they get, they're coming on at the end of the, 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 the trail there. And they just go right straight to haze. Yeah, this is beautiful. And they get the hype, they get excited. And because like the hype breweries are often making lagers, they're straight into it. So it's sort of like an interesting thing. And then that you guys are in that conversation because people are like, oh, they want to they discover something if they haven't, if they were the new guys who only discovered it through like the, the New England hype type of stuff, which I think is pretty common these days from what I understand. You guys are just really well positioned to be like, well, been doing this. It's all it's all killer type of thing. I love I like that whole concept that it can kind of work both ways. You know, I, I think that's pretty accurate anyway. I would imagine so. <laughs> um, I went yeah. through that. Yeah, like yeah. when I first got into beer, it was like macro IPAs, like stouts, and then like you're back to loggers. Really, like I, I I was part of that for sure. <laughs> you're part of the OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's a, it's a different world. And yeah, go on. Bro. I just wanted to say that. I think there actually is like a natural palate trend we're going on. Like at least when I started, it was when things were really, really bitter. Like I remember a time where if it didn't hurt a little bit, it probably wasn't <laughs> it was, a good craft beer. And then that. you work your way around. And, and the New England IPA is, is like just by nature a much more balanced uh, product, I think. I think it's, it's, it's not as bitter. It's, it's more firmly positioned in like a middle point of bitterness to like malt character gravity obviously with your your hot flavors coming up front so it brings you back around at least in, in a in a basic case idea i think to uh to your more easy drinking lagers that that do like they strive for balance i think right. i think that's a it, it is kind of a natural progression i know i'm on it you know i'm i'm back to lagers and i've done the whole circle now so yeah i like yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a cool pl- i don't know there's like this new the, the appreciation is is so much deeper than it ever was because of that that journey if i'm ever trading with people I'm like, right, what lagers can you get like i don't know a couple of years ago i'd be like right, what's the haze you can get what's the craziest stuff now i'm like just give me the lagers man like it's a it's an <laughs> interesting like paradigm shift i think for a lot of drinkers who um you know who might not have uh you, you expect people to kind of go for the just for the, the trendy stuff or whatever but for people to be excited again over lagers i think is the coolest thing um, it just makes it, it just makes a, a style that typically, like you were saying earlier, it's like the traditional that might have been thought of as boring at one point, is literally the polar opposite of that because it's such a complex and deep uh, umbrella, and there's so much. Obviously, we're going to explore some more of that tonight. On, on that note, uh, I don't know how do you guys feel about the uh, the next one. I didn't even talk to you about it beforehand about driving the tasting. <laughs> I think we're all about in the same level of our glasses there. I need another one, so we might as well. Perfect. So, according to this box, we're going the is it the Vienna or the Dunkel? Uh, Let's the do Vienna. the Vienna next. Let's start with the, the Vienna. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Ronda says red. Thank you, babe. Um, tell us about this one. Vienna lagers are impeccably underrated as a whole, I think. Um, tell us how this one came about, what the deal is. Yeah, so... This Vienna Lager, I would say, is kind of our bread and butter. It's the beer that kind of, it, it's the beer, 
it's not even actually in contention. It's the beer that put us on the map um, in the sense that uh, <clears throat> we opened the brewery with two beers. Uh, one was um, the Keller, the Keller version of our blonde, so the hazy blonde. Okay. So you've had that one, Craig. I have had that one. Um, and then our Vienna Lager. Okay. Um, there's a there's a whole episode, another episode to talk about why we launched with the hazy blonde instead of the blonde. Yeah, no. okay. um, and that's that's part of you know uh, growing pains and funny stories in our history. But the red Vienna Lager, there was like a pure intent there as to why we wanted it to be one of our first brands, um, and it was one of the first brands we were. Uh, uh, recognized nationally, but okay. man, this Vienna lager, if there was one word, uh, that I would use to describe it, if there was one word that, you know, myself, Cam, um, the rest of our production team, we try to achieve on a day-to-day basis is balance, okay. balance through and through. Balance um, we're very much looking for, um, at the middle ground in terms of the color across the spectrum. Um, we're looking at an extremely balanced beer, uh, that's, malt forward uh but is supported with a really awesome hot backbone um and for the people who are a little bit sophisticated in their tasting um there's a high level of complexity that you can find but also man this beer if you wanted to crush them you can crush them too and so in a lot of ways it's extremely um it has a lot of diverse uh occasions that it can play in um and honestly this i would say right now this is my favorite one uh, that I always come back to. Big call. Yeah, definitely. Folks, cheers. Cheers, cheers guys. Cheers. cheers. Mm. It's my first time having this one, hence the photo. I forgot to tell you, I do like the little quick reviews. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I can. Wow, this is great. So Vienna's are always great. They have that little caramel kind of uh, real extra biscuity malt going on there. Wow, this is wicked head too. Nice and kind of like pillowy. Hey, what batch number do you guys have? Because mine just kind of like shocked me at how good it was. <laughs> what am I? Is it red forty two dash forty three? No. Oh, twenty two forty three. Yeah, this is twenty April. Okay. April second. I think it says 02. It's on the black part, so I can't see it. I got a thirty six thirty seven. I don't know if anyone else is drinking a thirty six thirty seven, but that was awesome. Yeah, this is killer, man. The boys are very meticulous about their batch numbers. <laughs> I genuinely yes, respect it. I even, I'm, after all that conversation before, I'm genuinely not surprised you even asked that question. Because um, I'm sure there is, there's nuances and difference for each one. This is genuinely phenomenal. Like, uh, really nice dryness to it. Super crushable. Like, I think people get a little bit, and you guys could probably speak to that, because the next three beers we have are different. You know, the SRMs are going to get slowly darker as we go. And I know there is a... Sometimes a pushback from people who might not understand that dark doesn't mean crazy, bitter, and like intense um, in the scope of these styles. So maybe can we talk a little bit about like the the flavor profiles of a Vienna Lager and sort of any maybe any anything that people are sort of feeling about that. If people like see this and like, oh, I don't like dark beers. I imagine if you're bothering to watch a beer podcast, you'd be cool with it. But just in case. Well, like, even like, we're like, I like, I obviously I'm very involved with the tap room, right? And we'll be talking about the Raven eventually, but even it, it pertains to red and brunette as well is anytime they think it's a dark beer, I'd have customers be like, mm, no, like, I'm not into it. And I'm like, just try it. Like, I promise you that 
It's not like other dark beers. And it's really magic when you see people's faces and they take a sip, especially the Raven, because the Raven looks so dark. And they take a sip and then, yeah, and then it finishes so clean on the palate and their eyes light up and they're like, (laughs) oh my goodness, like, you're right. It's not super heavy. And like, yeah, it's it's really cool how you can just get such depth of flavor, but it, it's still easy drinking. It's so cool. Um, is there anything I need to know about this beer? I'm taking one word notes of any the tasting notes. So for people who are trying to you know want to know more about this, what would be some of the like? Is there any hops that make a difference in this that that makes this unique? Is there anything since you guys are all here? So I, I can speak that one a little bit. It's it's really the the malt bill on this one is is very unique and. It's pretty historically accurate too, which I think is awesome. It uses a lot of just Vienna malt, like good quality German Vienna malt. Um, and it's, it's got a little bit of, of uh, a specific German caramel malt as well that gives you a little bit of that touch of caramel. And that, that's really what makes this beer uh, interesting to me is it's the balance between being uh, crispy, being able to like really actually drink it so it's not cloying or sweet, but it still has that flavor of caramel. And I think actually uh, the batch I got is the same as the one you got, Craig. And it's, I'm loving it actually right He's now. Love, I can't, this is exceptional. <laughs> it's interesting because I had the, I've had the blonde and I had the raven, raven, the black lab. So I was looking mm-hmm. forward to the middle two to try them with you guys. Um, also link is in the comments as well for this particular beer. Um, but yeah, this is like, I, I feel like Vanna Lagers is something that uh, we don't see often enough around and, and and when you do have them particularly you know if you haven't had one for life god damn this is a great style like what is that i feel like they're not even super uh common and i feel like i don't see them around that much would you guys think is that like a thing that you've noticed there's really not a ton like i've i've tried a couple that you know i think people are, are getting into them more these days um i think it's it's because the malt bill is a little bit more complicated okay. and you have to uh, pay a little bit of attention on like your mash side of things. It, 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 it really is like a ripple effect with, with all these beers, but this one specifically is if you change one thing a little bit, you'll see a huge change in the final product. So we're really trying to like highlight, um, specific characteristics here. So I think people, you know, it's, it's not really in the, in the history of, of Canadian craft brewing, but I think people are are going towards it now. I had a good one the other day. I can't remember more. It's not coming to me. Yeah, I mean, really genuine. One other thing I would add to that, Craig, um, in addition to like the the whole question of like, where are the other Vienna lagers? I think also extends to this whole idea of just like, where are all the other lagers generally? And a big part is, I I, I honestly do believe that um, if more breweries could, I think they would uh, lager more. Mm -hmm. But there are like, business implications to making lagers. And, and one of the reasons, um, specifically on the craft side, you might not see it as much, is it's really expensive to do. Um, and just without really getting too deep into it, just one example I'd, I want to give to you and, and, um, and your listeners is overnight, if Old Flame decided to do ales instead of lagers, our production capacity would double. Just simple, like just simply put, um, a logger needs to stay in tank for twice as long. And so whatever capacity or how many tanks you have, they get tied up for twice as long. And so it's, it's a tough 
beer to really commit a big chunk of your portfolio to. That makes sense. I was actually, when you mentioned, now you mentioned this type of thing, I, you know, obviously it's a conversation I would have with breweries often that, you know, a lot of breweries want to brew lager, uh, lagers in general, but it's not always possible um, with space, with tanks, you know, particularly during a, a pandemic when a lot of things changed, a lot of people had to pivot, um, you know, they're not able to do it. Some of them were able to do it because it wasn't as busy as normal. So finally they could do it. So I've sort of seen both sides mm-hmm. of it. Um, do you guys, being that you're right, because, you know, I think you said earlier, Richard, that there were like 28 days minimum you guys do as far as the library, when it would be 14 for an ale type of thing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Generally speaking, yeah. Generally, okay. I know it's sort of like, you know, depends on the style, but do you guys use the uh, horizontal tanks at all? Like those library tanks that I've seen a lot? No? I wish. <laughs> yeah they're no, super well, cool they are, right? they're they're awesome yeah uh i think yeah the horizontal tanks are are a luxury really um and you see them at a lot of macro breweries they have the horizontal uh aging tanks okay. just just because you can you can pump multiple batches into that and then let it lager for very long periods of time uh for us it just means uh uh we, we don't have that luxury, so it's a little bit more work. Um, and again, it's like Richard said, it, it takes up more tank time, really, is, is what it comes down to, is that, that uh, aging tank helps you, you know, make more beer faster, basically, because you're constantly moving it out of your fermenter and, and keeping stuff moving. So for us, no, it's, 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 uh, it's a longer process than that. It's, uh, it's sitting in that, that tank for, for quite a while. Um, and Richard says, says uh, 28 days, but... I think the vast majority of the stuff we got now is is far longer than that. So, okay. and that's just it comes down to when it's ready, right? Like you just you check it and you hope it's ready. <laughs> and some days it is, and some days it isn't. <laughs> so you can do it. You can't rest these things, you know. No, absolutely not. The slowest of beers. That's actually a good point. Like, um, we always we always talk about how yeah, there's four ingredients with beer, and we always say here that our fifth ingredient is time because. It's just such an integral part of our recipes, um, and there's just no way around it. It's just it takes time. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. I mean, like I feel like the the results uh, speak for itself. That 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 time is is well spent and well invested in, in the final product. I wanted to ask from uh, your perspective, being that you know you guys are doing a almost exclusively a style that is um, you know time consuming and, and resource consuming and stuff. How is, has COVID, I mean, obviously, aside from the obvious, I don't want to go on about it too long because we're all bored talking about it at this point, but I feel like we better touch on it a little. Um, I know you guys are already canning prior to this. You had um, multiple SKUs in the LCBO already, so you were moving that way. Um, obviously, you had the, the, you know, the retail side of both the Port Perry and the New Market pubs. Um, how has it been for you guys? Like, how did it affect it? You know, what was the general vibe? I, just, I mean, uh, like you, you always try to look, the, sorry. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Kira talk about the um, online side of the, the business. But one of the quick things I just want to quickly say is just uh, one of the big things uh, that we relied on during COVID. And this is uh, just truly a shout out to our, the community that we do business in, um, man, people, people rallied around us. Our community came up and they supported us and, um, whether it's our uh, the local people and uh, residents of Port Perry or 
the surrounding community that um, uh, made it a habit of coming out to Port Perry and visiting us out on the brewery, um, take, spending time with their family on the lake. Um, our fans rallied around us and, and they, they let us continue our operations at the, at the scale and um, uh, level that we've, we're used to. Um, and uh, so we're extremely thankful. Um, so I just want to make sure that if anyone from Port Perry is listening to this, anyone from our community is listening to this this is a big big thank you to you guys um and i'll pass it over to kira to just talk about uh the, the types of uh, pivots we made um which have been really fascinating too yeah richard has a great point like this whole move to like supporting local has just been um so important for our industry right like people love craft beer um but it's really um, a lot of people have opened their eyes who may not always drink craft beer um, to being like, hey, I should support the local brewer rather than just going to the LCBO. Like, because everyone pivoted, like we love to say, to local delivery, right? So it just became so much more accessible for people. And like for us, like I was working on getting an online store going. <laughs> um, right. And then COVID hit and it's like, okay, let's put our foot on the pedal on this, right? Because it's just been so vital to breweries to survive is having an online shop and doing delivery. And so that's been a silver lining for a lot of people and like ourselves and other breweries in the industry is kind of that push to the online market. Um, but it has sucked because we just love having people in the tap room, right? Like that has been a huge hit for us. Our, our biggest, our biggest love is that we love when people come to the tap room and see the magic, not just our regulars and our locals who are incredible in there all the time, but, but the tourists and the new faces that come through, right? It's just such an opportunity to make connections and memories with people. And we, yeah, we've just really been missing that, right? Cause Port Perry is a huge tourist town. And in the mm. summertime, it's on a Saturday, like, man, the place would just be absolutely packed. And like a big part of, my role is like, I would just make sure that no one would get turned away, like try to squeeze everybody in. Um, people kind of packed like sardines trying to just listen to one of our amazing musicians, JJ, play live music. And so we've definitely been missing those connections. Um, but it's not all negative. Like, like some positives, which have been good, is trying to get that warmth that we would usually have in the tap room to people at home. Right. Um, we would do like live, um, like virtual live music to kind of try to replicate what our live music Saturdays used to be. Um, we started a program called the beer buddy program. So basically you buy a beer for your buddy and you get your, uh, your buddy's name on it. We have a big chalkboard in the brewery, so it's just full of names and we're waiting for the day that people can come in and like cross off their name and claim their beer <laughs> when the taps okay. are finally open and flowing again. <laughs> that's great. So that's something you guys have done since COVID, like had that out. You can buy yeah, we, in there. yeah, we were just like, man, like how do we kind of like instill some mm -hmm. hope in people that we can gather again? And yeah, that was one of Jack's ideas. He's like, let's sell beers now so people can claim them later and then they can come in and they'll see their name on the chalkboard. And it's like, oh, to Cam, love Kira, enjoy a pint on me, right? So that's been pretty pretty fun because we have like I want to say like 150 names or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah, like how, how many chalkboards are there, Kira? It's it's like half I don't, of the I don't brewery know. is filled with with chalkboards. It's nuts. <laughs> we should get uh, Craig yeah, it's and been Tiff's pretty heartwarming. 
please. We'll we should back. actually. That's a great idea. <laughs> as soon as uh, we were hoping to come back this summer, and then they closed the borders. Like, like come on, man. It's yeah. Uh, like, yeah, the sooner that everything gets back, yes, please. I, I actually always wanted to come to Port Perry. One of my good friends lives there. He owns a brewery in Whitby. And he's always told me that it's super dope. But I didn't realize it was a, um, a tourist town. Like, is it near? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Where, where from, yeah. say, the, the Dur, like the Whitby area, say, for people who might know, where is it? It's north of there, right? Just 20 minutes north from there, right? Oh, it's like um, okay. Yeah, so it's really, we're a really great day tripping brewery. Um, so, like, folks from Toronto, it's only an hour drive from Toronto and... Um, yeah, even in Durham region, like people from Ajax, Pickering, like it's a good day trip to come up, walk by the lake, shop on the, on main strip. Cause it's got all these cool Victorian looking, um, shops with like mm. signs hanging from the windows. It's classic. Um, come up for a pint. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great tourist spot in, in the summer, especially too. I, I kind of grew up in Port and I didn't realize how, many tourists come through until I actually started working at Old Flame. And I was like, this place is insane. Like, it's so cool how many people travel to come to Little Port Perry, right? No way. I guess you did never appreciate it until somebody has uh, really been inside that sort of thing. I love that. Uh, Tiffany's like, yes, please. Focus on that, on that chalkboard. No, I love that. That's, uh, that's super cool. I like hearing that it's all positive and that the, the online business has definitely helped. I think that's one fantastic thing that Ontario does that we don't have here that we can do that and I think that's been a saving grace for a lot of uh, businesses and I, I heard recently that um, not only can restaurants be uh, essentially turned into bottle shops but you can actually start an independent bottle shop someone told me like last week that this is a thing so like literally if I wanted to rent a space I could just make a bottle shop like I can do is that correct? Ontario I think you still have to serve I think you have to still sell food food with it but like it can be like a bag of chips you know what I mean that's what my friend said and I was like are you serious like I I felt like that news that is big news that 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 makes you that's something that people have been fighting for in Ontario for the longest time aside from like the having beer in uh, gas stations and convenience stores and you can start an independent bottle shop like that's incredible and that I feel like that's a, a boost for all the industries, whether it's spirits, beer, or wine, um, that's huge. That's amazing. I feel like that's a really great step forward that, once again, like you were saying, it's not all negative. And that is one super big positive from all of this craziness that maybe some of these archaic legislations have been able to be maybe adjusted or lifted so that you know that not only supports new business, but it supports existing industries, You know, because that is a business in and of itself all buying local like it's that's incredible i love that i think it's like rather than only how you know it's quite a process obviously you know getting something into the lcbo like you know this bad boy i can imagine um it's not the easiest thing in the world particularly a mix of that yeah maybe we can speak yeah that, that was a process to get into the lcbo um yeah. but for example we just released our fruit loggers a couple of days ago and i was getting messages on instagram saying like hey can we stock these beers in your in our bottle shop and yeah it just becomes so much more accessible for the consumer i guess and and for so us to cool. spread our beer farther than we would have thought really yeah um do we want to talk a bit more detail about this or should we actually now that you brought up those fruit lighters i wouldn't mind maybe even touching on just some of the other stuff i mean obviously you guys are the the crispy lords but 
the you know you do a bunch of other stuff fruited lagers is a pretty interesting concept and you have a series of them that you guys recently dropped like this week if i'm, if I'm not mistaken last week um do you want to talk about that maybe i'd love to hear more about where that idea came from uh, that's pretty dope i think this would be a, a really fun one to riff off of actually and i think cam and myself and kara all have something to say but <laughs> You know, I, I, we are, as you, as you know, Craig, like we're extremely proud of our core lineup and what we call kind of our signature lager series. And we're, we'll go through them today, but man, like from an identity standpoint, you know, specifically within the industry, among other brewers, you know, you never want, and like, you know, similarly to like an actor, you never want to get typecasted, right? You know, you never want to just be known for one thing. Um, because you you know you're out there and you're like I can do more I, I I'm actually really good at the other stuff too I want to be recognized as just a a solid good quality producer and brewer rather than just a logger brewer and um, you know we we've heard through the grapevine like people will put us kind of in a in a spot but um, you know man one of the things that we'll always hang our hat on is our process and just like the obsession and meticulousness to our approach. Um, and so one of the things that came up was, uh, um, you know, we always had this like blueberry ale, okay. uh, like we, we, like ever since kind of I, probably year two, right here, year two. Yeah. We've had it forever. And, um, and it was a good beer. It was like a, a respectably good beer. And, but, but every year we're just like, man, how can we make it better? Um, how can we make it better? How can we make it better? And, um, I remember one of the first uh, projects I got to work on was that, man, like, I think this beer would taste better if we based it on a lager. Um, it would come off crisper. It would come off cleaner. It would showcase the um, awesome blueberry partnership we had. And so, boom, we made that transition. And then Kira and I started riffing off of, like, man, what's the, what would be the next fruit? And so, like, first, first iteration of this series, we played with uh, raspberry. We played with um, lime. We played with grapefruit. Um, what else did I forget what we did, but this year we came out and we did watermelon and we did mango. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, as, as, you know, as Jack always is, he, he kind of comes in and he's like, man, what if like we built this campaign where, uh, rather than like event, because the eventual next step was like, man, what if we like had a blueberry lime lager, but we kind of pulled back and said, you know what, rather than us mixing it, what if we gave that power and that, custom ability to the consumer and they kind of decided how to mix it and what to match it with. And so we were like, okay, this year, rather than combining it ourselves on our back end, we keep all of the infusions with single fruit and release this like campaign about, you know, what's your mix? How would you mix this? And so this, the evolution of our fruit series as, as, as simple as it may seem from the outside, it, it's definitely been like years in the making. And uh, this year was probably the first year we actually got it to a place where we're like, man, this this could be something really interesting going forward. That's dope. I saw the Instagram oh. stories today. So I was like, I wasn't, <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I gathered, I thought it was more people were choosing their two favorites, but mix makes more sense. Like actually blending the beer. That's a fantastic idea. I love that. Yeah, I'm working on more videos. Um, <laughs> I, the one I saw that um, was super quick. I know you were just like getting people in the brewery and stuff about it, but it was like it was cool, and they just like it was a it was a really nice way to use the platform to sort of showcase the the different 
through because like oh wow that one oh yeah like it makes you remember them more because you're hearing all these different people talk about it it's very cool yeah and cam why don't you tell craig um man like our long list of like recipes we have in the back burner that we like want to get through yeah there's like way too many um <laughs> and and like the fruit the fruit loggers like i have to be a little bit like step back from that because of course we're, we're putting it on a base of one of like our loggers that I love so much. So like, I've been kind of like, all right, Kira, I guess I'll be in your video, but <laughs> you know, I have to be like, he's, very, he's, a, like, he's the purest on the team, Greg. Okay. But no, that, that being said, I'm a convert. So okay. I, I, I actually kind of like them now. So that's, and honestly, there's a lot of care and time put into those beers. So really, like, yeah, I guess we released them just yesterday, right? I, I don't, I actually, yeah. for me, these have been a reality for, like, how long? Like, two months so now. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been dealing with blueberry for a while now at this point. But, yeah. I, no, I, and I think uh, Cam- it's just, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, Cam brought me this beautiful sample of uh, a, a blonde beer and he's like taste like taste this it's so delicious and I was like yeah this is really awesome and he's like I'm gonna go dump blueberry in it now <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. uh, but it's really good it's really wow. good I really enjoy it is it um you know that that blonde was amazing for the record amazing. it was so it good. was it was really good <laughs> are you using like a septic fruit purees type of thing like the, yeah, the, exactly. The good stuff. The good stuff. Okay, like real serious. The good stuff. Is it the um, really like, good stuff? The really good stuff. Like, well, that's going to make the the that you know arrow through the heart a little, little softer, being that you're at least you're putting good food into it. You know? Yes, exactly. Okay. Is it? Um, I haven't seen the actual pour. Are they pouring kind of like super murky? So, to the, is there like like how much fruit? I guess is there in it like is it still quite obvious that it's a slightly fruited lager or is it like a balls to the wall like ah this is dumping shit over no we're not we're not talking about a smoothie lager here um (laughs) it it's it it is a a filtered product um because we really we really wanted uh like well stability and and we didn't want to overwhelm in either direction i think Mm -hmm. that's something I, i still wanted the blonde base to come through one way or another so it, it like the the fruit should complement and i think they do actually i don't think we went we went too hard in anything they all they all come through at like the level we were working for which which again that's that's a lot of like thanks to richard for like bearing with me on that one it's a lot of like taste it uh yeah we need a little bit more of in this direction or that direction and then you know it, it's a lot of trial and error basically gotcha. yeah i brought some home and my partner had them and he was and he was like oh it still tastes like beer <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it's just got some fruit in it. <laughs> okay, so it's like a subtle, like, yeah, okay. I mean, that's more uh, on brand for, from what I understand that you guys are doing. That makes sense because it would almost be that, like, that. That's that's the key word right there. The art of subtlety is how do you how do you um, do something without like punching someone in the face with it? Gotcha. And that that feels like that's kind of what you guys do, man. I am loving this planet. God damn, this is gorgeous. <laughs> I just don't really drink these beers as often as I, I should, so it's, it's fantastic. But I love that you guys are able to do, you know, experiment a bit, do something fun, even if it breaks Cam's heart. Like, you know, you're able to. <laughs> Sorry. <man. laughs> 
you know, at least you're able to do something cool and make a fun campaign around it. And, and I really enjoy, I've never been into beer blending, but it's like a whole subculture of people like love that shit. Like the beer cocktails and the beer blending people are these like, you know, people, people are into it. And the fact that it's like essential, not essentially, it is the same base. Is that accurate? The same base mm-hmm. beer goes into all of the different flavor foods. Yeah. So uh, Richard can speak to this probably better than I can, but I know historically there was there was different uh, bases used, but um, this time we decided to go with with the set base so that we could really make sure we dialed in the the fruit to like base flavor to the same thing. Gotcha. Um, and get get it to what we were looking for exactly. Okay, which means that when you blend it, it's not like two completely different things. Really, you're blending the same base, like. Hellas blonde, whatever you want to call it, just with different fruits. Then it's still being kind of filtered, so it's not smoothie style. It's just nice and like delicately flavored with real fruit puree, and then you can be like a bit of watermelon. Like, and it made me like, yo, this is a pretty cool flavor. It's like watermelon is is always fire. Like the you know you got like the tropical. So it's lime, blueberry, watermelon, mango. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Here, here for it. I love it. I think that's super interesting <laughs> and encouraging people to blend individual beers like that when you can enjoy them by themselves but you can put a couple together i think that's uh that's super cool do any of you guys have a favorite of the flavors because it seemed like there was somebody that had like the blended lime and lime like they didn't even they were just like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's my, that, that's was my cam. that was cam that, that was cam that was my protest yeah. part of the post that, that was, was it protest. like all right i'm here i'm not blending here you made me ruin my beer with fruit <laughs> i'm not blending it. okay it's close. Yeah, to the I asked him. I was like, "Okay, I was like, what's your mix?" And he's like, "I just want to do lime." And I was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> fine, Cam. Do you guys? Okay, well, we know Cam's face. Do you guys have any face? I like the blueberry lime. Actually, it it is really good. Um, and then the watermelon blueberry is very good as well. Yeah, both super subtle flavors. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. And then just for me, if I was to highlight anything, I think um, you know. I, I've had the luxury of just kind of seeing this blueberry brand develop over the course of its years. Uh, and it's, it's undisputed this year across the whole company. Like this is by far the best blueberry, uh, like just single infusion beer that we've done. Um, and it, it just goes to show you just like, man, when you do something multiple times and it has multiple chances to be reiterated, it just gets better and better. And there's like this like jump off point where like, Sometimes it tastes a little better. Sometimes it tastes better. But you get to a point and it's just like, whoa, that's way better. And uh, that's just kind of years of just tweaking and experimenting and, and just picking on the small things. That's what you got to do, man. If you're not doing that, then what's the point of it all, right? Yeah. Particularly, particularly with this type of stuff. That's super cool. So that's like the latest kind of fun thing that you guys have dropped. Um, I mean, while we're on that topic, then, I mean, you guys have, like you said, so you have on, if someone came into the Old Flame uh, retail store tomorrow, obviously to buy the mixer pack to get the craft lagers and then to get one of each of the, <laughs> or two of each of the mixers so you can enjoy one by itself and then start to uh, mix the rest. Um, what other beers would people typically be able to get? Do you have any other year rounders or, um, you know, sort of things that people could expect to see in the stores over and above? Um, you know, the and such. 
Yeah, we um we have we always have an IPA going for sure. Um, we have we've been doing our New England IPA Sean's Way um, and our West Coast IPA Parallel of Mary. So we usually kind of go back and forth between those two. A um, couple weeks back, we dropped our Moment Pale Ale, um, which has been really good. Um, and we have another one coming in the works too, a new little beer, Richard. You could probably talk about, give a little sneak peek too. Ooh. Would love to. <laughs> oh shit! You're like right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah go for it. Oh snap! Okay, yeah. Trying to be okay, uh, um, subtle about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. No, honestly, man, I, I I didn't know if we were gonna get into this, but uh, I, my my team knows. Um, I've tried to reserve my excitement for this one, um, because I, I try not to let my personal, um, biases and my personal like bleed too much into what we do at old flame um but this one is definitely like a like a passion project um of mine um just based off of um certain recipes that i i personally love um and we were able to marry it with a brand that i was a brand and a story that um i i don't think could have been more timely um but uh the beer is going to launch um probably uh end of may early june um, and it's going to be called The Little Things. Um, and really the story is just about, um, man, right now, just given the whole current circumstances of the world, uh, it's really the little things that we kind of have to pay attention to and appreciate and, and find, you know, uh, the little things and, that bring us joy. Um, and the recipe that I thought uh, would marry with that story really well um, is a classic German Hefeweizen. Um, given our kind of roots uh, with traditional German lagers and German recipes, um, I don't know, I, I definitely have a, an affinity towards German, um, German beers. Uh, you know, there, there are certain brands that I love drinking um, in the summertime. Um, and in the industry, uh, you often see uh, more so like Belgian wheat beers. And so you have a little bit more pronounced of coriander and orange peel and uh, a little bit more uh, flavors that were added to um, uh, the beers. But a German Hefeweizen, you know, uh, very Reinheitsgebot. It's got four ingredients. Um, and the magic happens in the cellar where, you know, between myself, Cam, and the rest of the production team, we are just dialing in fermentation temperatures, the pitch rates of the yeast to really like drive in um, a particular yeast uh, character that we're really trying to get. Um, and, you know, for us, again, because of our focus on the art of subtlety, you know, you're not going to get smashed with banana and cloves, but really, again, you got this really soft, full body um, that comes from that wheat malt and all the proteins that come in from uh, the type of mash regime that we employ. And then you have this just like meticulous degree by degree control so that we're monitoring how much production and characteristics that the yeast provide. Um, but right now it's in the fermenter. It's sitting at four degrees and we're just kind of waiting for labels to come in. But I am super excited for myself uh, just to drink it, but um, for the rest of our community and our fans to give it a try. But it's, it's, it's something that we haven't done before. Okay. Is that almost surprising being that like, you know, Hefeweizen is one of the other major German styles and you guys are, you know, super focused on on German beers, 
is why haven't you um, looked into something like that before? That, that's a really good question. And I was actually asking myself the same thing. Um, you know, I, a lot of the, like I said, I try not to make my own personal biases go into development of the recipes. I really just try to kind of get a feel for what's out there, what people are looking to drink. Um, you know, uh, another thing that I think about is like, man, like what can I make to make my sales team's life easier? Like what can they really push? Um, and when you look at the wheat category, which I actually love, um, it's not small, it's not overly big. It's, it's, it's there. Um, and it's predominantly uh, two things. Um, generally skews Belgian and it skews kind of macro. Because if you ask anybody about wheat, um, you know, generally people are thinking, and, and honestly, most of them are pretty good. Like my favorite is, I love Blanche de Chamblay. Um, you know, you have that macro marketing power of Shop Top uh, and Ho Garden. Um, and, then, and then in the craft industry, you know, the side launch has always kind of rooted themselves in that, uh, that style. But, but the list isn't particularly long. Mm. And so to me, I was, you know, we, we just got kind of hungry. We're just like, man, like, what would happen if we did a really good version of this? What would we do? What would happen if we, you know, gave it uh, a really good brand and a good story? Like, could we could we make something out of it? And uh, we'll figure it out uh, come June, come late May or early June. I like that. So and it really ties back into that moment pale ale we were talking about too, right? Just kind of what's your moment? Like, are you enjoying this moment right now? Like, are you fully immersed? Like, are you having this beer um right when you get home or like is i don't know is it a shower beer right like what's your moment like and we tied that in also to our we have a light lager called no regrets where um it's a low alcohol low cow lager and you've just really tied it tied it into kind of this like lifestyle concept really which is i think this half is really going to round out that series and it's going to be really awesome that's dope. So it'll come in the short cans then, if that's making yeah. mind of that. Cool. I like I like the short cans as well. I mean, I've, I feel like for the crispies, uh, short cans are dope, but, you know, you want a little more. It's a crispy. They're not like 5%. <laughs> it's whatever. But I think it's cool to have, you know, for the, the – there's something about the short cans that is just super, like, convenient, single serving. You don't need to share it. Like, it's yours. I like that. And having all of that, that tie-in, that's super dope. Um I would imagine that your glasses are as empty as mine. <laughs> oh, you read my mind. We're going for the, uh, the brunette next, the, uh, pre- the Munich Dunkel Lager. I haven't had a, uh, a Dunkel in a um, So talk to me about – okay, so I almost feel like dumb even asking this, but – I always remember, I used to love like the banana in the Dunkles. Is that like a main flavor profile of a Dunkle beer or is that just some that happened to have? So that's probably more like the, uh, the Erdinger, like the, the Hefeweizen Dunkles kind of thing. Okay. Where this, this one is, is more along the, the lines of the, the clean um, Munich dark lager. So, okay. Uh, Definitely a little bit darker than the red. Yep. Still that beautiful clarity. Oh. Ooh, look at that, mate. Bloody <laughs> Yeah, work. 
Um, so get, get it in ya. Right, get, please get it in. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just, I, we I just, don't know if that was offside, but I really wanted to try saying one time. No, it's never offside to say get it in ya. <laughs> Always say it. There's never a bad time. Oh, okay, we'll do like this. We'll do that first, okay. We just do the photos as we go. You know what I'm saying? We have to do the content creation along the way. It's very important. Look at it, look at that. <laughs> look at it. Ooh, yeah, you see, so I'm getting directions here. Um, yeah, tell us, oh. okay. <laughs> T- tell us about a, a dunkle, because what, what makes it a dunkle? What is the style about? Break it down. So this is my absolute favorite one in, okay. in the signature series that we're drinking now. Uh, I love making this one, and, and I love, the, the final product is just so beautiful. The color is so deep. It's got that, like Auburn, um, it, it's we're really looking for like uh, bread crust, uh, like a toasty kind of flavor. Um, I, I I get a, some nuttiness and like a little bit of like dark chocolate on the very end. And and to me, this is just like it's it's when it's the best, which I'm assuming this batch will be. It's the perfect <laughs> balance. It's got that little bit of sweetness. And, and a little bit more of a hot backbone, honestly, compared to the other lagers, just to, to keep everything together, because there's a, there's a more malt variety in this one. Jeez. This is fantastic. I want, do you know, this is, Matt, I swear to God, I drank a thousand Dunkles back in the day, and I feel like it's been so long. I, I, I almost feel like this is a whole new style being opened up right now. Um, this is really fantastic. I feel like it's just like taking the Vienna to like the next step. Like you said, again, it's a little more complex. Toffee, that's the word. Toasted bread crust. Ooh, I like this taste of those. Yeah, Are they good? Is, uh, I didn't even look. Yeah, it's good. I love tasting those when people like write ridiculous things. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a dank rainforest. Yeah, okay, this is great. So, I mean, look at this, this, this color, like you said, super, still tons of clarity in, in like a, it's like the next sort of layer, you know, dark, darkness above the Vienna. Mm-hmm. It's got, yeah, it's still the caramel, but it's like a whole different, like it's more toasty. What did this just say? Toffee. I think toffee is probably like a deeper <laughs> caramel. I mean, it's, it's semantics, yeah. but it makes a difference. Okay. What's the vibe with this type of one? Like how do people feel about, you know, do you have the same sort of challenges maybe getting between this or the Raven uh, and the Vienna? Or is it to give people, because the Dunkel is pretty, I guess, relatively well-known style, maybe? I don't know about how people, uh, like Kira would be the best one to speak um, for, for how people approach it. But I feel like if you do get into it, like if, if you give this one a shot, it's kind of like an intro to, to the darker beers because it doesn't have like the full-on roast character right. um, and none of that smokiness or, or full-on chocolatey. I, I think this one is, it's still got the, the base refreshing character for all our lagers. And, and that's what I really enjoy. It's, it's got more uh, depth of flavor. There's a lot more to explore in it, mm. but with the, the drinkability, which is what I love about this product. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always say that brunette is like toasted and then Raven is more roasted and which is what really separates the two. Um, A lot of people will. It's really interesting. We have one regular. um, He loves red and he loves brunette and like he will buy them both and like still enjoy them. 
like they're both his go-to, which is so interesting, right? Because a lot of people will find them so similar when like the more you kind of analyze them, they are very different. And so it is cool to see um, the people who will still have both and enjoy them. And then the people who are like, no, I'm a red lover. No, I'm a brunette lover, right? Mm. They um, will pick and choose. And then some people will just grab the mix pack because they love and they enjoy all four, right? I can see that. This is so interesting to me. I, didn't, I, I think when I see the word dunk, I just think of that banana. So just remind me, so the banana is a specific, like a regional version of this? It, it's like a, it's a yeast derived thing. So that'll mm. be like a, like the, I, the one I always think of, like the classic example would be Erdinger Dunkel. Right. And that one's, uh, it's like a dark wheat beer. So it's still using the Hefeweizen yeast that'll give off those banana esters. <laughs> where, okay. Exactly. Where banana like esters banana in this one is, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the best way to describe it. Where this one we're trying to probably steer a little bit more away from, from like esters in general. <laughs> Like we're, we're looking yes. for cleanliness still. <laughs> and this is super clean. Uh, it's definitely like a step to, it's like a nice little, like, uh, you know, you, you got the blonde and then the, the Vienna, this bad boy, and then the black lager. So it's like a nice sort of like slowly ramping up the level of toastiness, but it's just so drinkable. This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, uh, like, this is fantastic. I feel like this, would you guys say that this is a, this, is there many of these around, like whether locally in Ontario or anything that you guys are, are aware of, at least in this style? I don't think so at all, really. Yeah. I, I, I wish. I love this style, but yeah. no, you, you don't come across them too often. Uh, unless Richard or Kira have tried one that I haven't. I haven't really seen many. I feel like they usually just get lumped in with the dark lager category rather than really getting um, like yeah. specific, right? They, people will just call it a dark lager. Like like Waterloo Dark is really good. Um, but yeah, it's just lumped under the dark lager category <laughs> rather than specifying that it would be a dunkel, essentially, mm. really. That makes sense. It, yeah, it's, it's like a, this is a cool way to – and because I've had the Raven, I guess, so I'm looking forward to that. But like it's just a nice way to round out like the, the mix pack with – with all the different elements, and I can see why that you know it, it takes people on like a, a journey. It's almost like a mini little tasting, uh, you know, a flight, but a large flight, but a flight nonetheless. You know, <laughs> going through some of the, the key things. Um, on on that note, I mean, maybe we should we should chat a little bit about this pack. Um, how long has this thing been around? So people who who are actually I always forget that there are listeners and not just <laughs> viewers. So the, uh, there's a craft lager pack I'm holding in my sweet little hands. It is a box with four different beers in it, as we talked about earlier, the Hellas, Vienna, Dunkel, and Black Lager. That previous, and, and this is extraordinarily affordable too, which I very much appreciated, particularly as uh, you, know, you guys were talking about earlier, that you know, these beers take a lot of time. Um, there's a lot of energy and effort and love in, in these products. But the fact that you're able to sell, you know, four beers for, is it $12 something? 13 I think it 13? ends up coming to be. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty yeah. damn good for a local craft lager. It always had to be three bucks and some change, you know, uh, a can of exquisitely well-made lager in a mix pack, you know, without you having to buy, you know, you went to brew at some breweries, just sell them in four packs. You were forced to buy four packs of something. So... You know, you're able to actually get a nice four pack for a very, very reasonable price. 
I mean, these are the type of beers that I would imagine a lot of people would want to buy in cases because they're so <laughs> crushable, they're so refreshing. That these are the type of beers that I would want in my fridge at all times. Um, you know, just to have a nice, reliable, crushable, tasty, crispy boy in in various color forms and various levels of roastiness that uh, you want to drink. So, when did this pack kick off? Maybe that's a curious question. Yeah, so the, so the pack itself came to fruition probably around this time last year, but the concept was was not new in the tap room for a really t- long time. Like, you know, those craft, um, like the snap-on four packs, right? The little black ones that you kind of yeah, yeah, hold. For the longest time, we just had a shelf dedicated to a four-pack that style, blonde, red, brunette, and raven. And any new faces that would come into the brewery, they'd be like, oh, tell us about your beers. And we would just show them that. They're like, hey, we're like, hey, this is a greater introduction to our beers. Find out which ones you like. Go home, do your own tasting, and then kind of come back and grab a case of your favorites, like you said. And it just did so well because, like I said, we we have a lot of tourists who come through, a lot of people looking for gifts as well. So mm-hmm. gifting that pack to a loved one. Um and we're like, let's put it in a box. Why not? So that's where it kind of started. And then it has gone to us getting it into the LCBO. So we're really excited for this pack to be an introduction to us or be a great pack for someone who just wants um, a versatile alignment of loggers. I love it. And repeat the date. It was May 23rd. 23rd yeah yes, victoria day weekend it'll be in lcbo oh, <laughs> perfect i forgot about that me too far yeah yeah yeah. no i mean i think this is this is super dope and i think that in a time where um craft beer isn't the cheapest thing in the world and you know people understand why um you know it's local it's you know hops are not cheap um you know the, the ingredients aren't cheap you know, it's a small business people want to support. Like you guys were saying earlier on, it's all about buying local and everything. But for you to be able to have a, uh, a fantastic pack with four completely different styles of lagers, all lagered as well, which means none of these guys have spent less than a month in the tank, you know, for, for 13 bucks or something. I mean, that's pretty pretty wild to me. That was one of the first things that stuck out to me personally was like like that is extraordinarily affordable and uh, beyond reasonable for the quality that you guys are offering. So I think that is, <laughs> it's fantastic. I imagine that resonates quite well with your, with your audience that, you know, people are just like, yo, this is like fire beer, like genuinely like, you know, world-class stuff. It does not. Craig, I really appreciate you bringing that up, man. It's uh, I could, I, I was just watching, I was just watching Cam smile and you could see him get all warm and, Kira's getting all warm and you're really kind of like, you know, you're, 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 you're speaking our gospel. Right. And like, actually, I think about a week ago, I think me, Jack and Kira were in a room together and (laughs) it's funny. Jack vehemently is against this whole idea of like exclusivity. He like anything VIP, he's like allergic to. Like for him, man, like a party is, is, is when everyone can participate. Um, you know, Kira, you know, she's super humble and she'll, she won't tell you all of the amazing work that she does leading our inclusivity committee. Um, but it really is kind of at like the heart of who we are. 
And it shows through pricing too. Like we never want pricing or a price to be the thing that gets in the way of people wanting to enjoy our stuff. Um, and so I actually, I remember, uh, I, I, I caught a snippet of, um, uh, the podcast you did with tooth and nail with Matt Tweedy. Yes, and I remember catching, he, he said something and I was like, man, I totally feel that where he said he wishes, he wished he could sell his loggers the most, the most out of any of the beers he sells. Cause he knows what goes into it. Um, and trust me, like me and Cam, we'll, we'll have those conversations behind the scenes too. We're just like, man, like, you know how hard we work on these things? Like they should be way more expensive, <laughs> but it would defeat the purpose of like why we exist, right? Like, why do you start a beer company? Cause you want people to have a good time and you want to create good memories. And like, you don't want to actually, you don't want to add barriers to that. You actually want to just work towards eliminating as much of them as you can. Um, and so price is definitely something we're very keen on and just, okay, what is fair price? Where is, you know, what makes sense from a business point of view, but also like, man, like let's, let's get as many people to this table as possible. Hell yeah, man. That, that's a great point. I remember Matt saying that, um, you know, that it was important that, that if he could sell them any cheaper than he did, he would, and he wished that people would, uh, you know, that would be his number one product, and I feel like it's definitely been been a thing. But uh, the I guess there's some sort of like this, the way the craft beer has evolved into you know these six, seven, eight, nine dollar cans of IPAs. Because and I don't think anyone's ripping anybody off. I genuinely believe that. I saw the like you know we do collaborative breweries. They send me the hop sheets. I see the prices of Incognito and Cryo hops and, and you know, Nelson and stuff like that. Like things aren't cheap. Like they're extraordinary. Like I'm looking at one like yesterday for incognito hops and I think it was six or $700 like a kilo compared to like $40 a kilo for like regular hops. Obviously it sucks up a lot less of the beer, but I'm like, this is insane. I had no idea it was that, that wild. So, you know, the, the ingredients are all local, small batch stuff. That's the whole point of this. So I feel like there's an element of people willing to pay more for stuff, but, at the same token, it's always refreshing to see, you know, when you can get really well-crafted um, beers at an, an affordable price. Once again, I wasn't trying to harp on it or anything. I just think it's really impressive that you're able to, you know, you have to print this box and then you have to get the beers and then package each of the beers and you got to put each of the beers by hand into the box. Like I understand what goes, you know, I'm not a man, I haven't worked in a brewery, but I get what goes into this. This is a labor of love, right? And you guys aren't making hundreds. You guys yeah. are making thousands of these bad boys. Tens of thousands. Probably. Shane handpacks every single box. He every is box. the absolute champion. <laughs> that's, you know, that's valuable. And that's worth something. So whenever I see this thing, I mean, I was like, yo, this is like, this is super cool to, to you know, this just doesn't just like, turn up on the shelf like this. You know, people might not really think about what that takes. And because I'm fortunate enough to be able to spend time with wonderful people like yourselves, I have a bit more perspective perhaps on, on how this sort of thing comes to be. So when I saw this, I was like, wow, this is this is beautiful. And you got all these awards, there's five awards, and you got oh, the whole thing. Are you charging like that much for it? I could it genuinely, like I paid, obviously we all have, but we paid more than that for one deal before. 
type of thing, let alone four fantastic beers. And, and I think that just speaks to the value of that type of stuff, particularly Crispies as well, which is what really stood out to me because that's something that's important to me personally um, is this, this style. So I just wanted to really make sure we had a solid segment on, on this, talking about this pack because I just think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, the, the fact that you're able to do that, you're able to offer it, and the fact it's even, even better getting it into the LCBOs, which is, which is great. Um, and it's going to definitely make, you know, if you want, you can picture someone walking into an LCBO wanting to, I uh, need a little something. This is sort of like, you know, it's, it's an answer in a pack because I feel like the average consumer into an LCBO doesn't want like four of the same thing. And to be able to get all of them in one easy, easy thing is, is super convenient. So I'd be super curious to see, you know, catch up with you guys, you know, maybe do it later this year or early next year or something and see how all that's going because, uh, I love that idea, and hopefully it's the first of many. I think I bet you you guys would have already thought about doing the four fruited lines in a pack like this. <laughs> yeah, if we could get boxes going, cardboard's expensive these days. <laughs> I bet. I mean, even the uh, you know, even just in the four pack little thing, but you know, just be able to get them in this easy to, you know, this super convenient format is is super cool. I love the whole like idea of all of that. I guess. Do you like you said you're offering these ones just with the little you know the the four pack holders? You're probably doing that already with the the fruit and lagers. Oh yeah, no, um, yeah, they uh, we got tons in four packs right now <laughs> Good. for the fruit beers um, because it's it, people want to try them all, right? It's a we we've done the lime and the blueberry before, um, and they were very popular last year, so people kind of know what to expect with that. But the watermelon and the mango are both new additions this year. So right, right. Um, it's fun to sell it as a four-pack. Like we talked about mixing them, um, but also just to try to find out which one you like. Um, I think the mango is going to be a huge hit. Mango's hot right now. We made yeah. a mango. Cam made a mango IPA for us um, around Christmas time. And people are still asking about it. Like it's, it's really crazy. And we keep saying, Cam, you're going to do another mango IPA? <laughs> he kind of rolled his eyes, but... Um, (laughs) the way the, yeah, he's a total purist, but that's, it's a good attitude to have around here. Um, but we got around that by mixing our moment pale ale with our mango lager now. So that's kind of like our, what we call kind of our new mango one. (laughs) I hear we're doing the I was telling him about mango tango, Cam. (laughs) Do we have (laughs) No, no I was just talking about I, how people love mango right now. So, Well, and like the mango flavor is something we try and emulate in hops so much. So it's just, you know, it's natural that we flow in that direction. I honestly can't wait to make the next Mango Tango. I, I get literally <laughs> bothered by the front of house staff every single day. I think just because they know it gets to me a little bit. But yeah, like... <laughs> It's just, it's such a good, and, and there's such good quality mango purees that we're able to get right now. So I think that's part of it. Like the ingredient is just so good. It, it seems It's like hard to a, argue when people are asking about it all the time. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the perfect summer beer. So you said you did it last Christmas. So it was like the winter thing. <laughs> it okay. actually made it in November, I think. Richard okay. will be able to to probably remember the exact date a little better. What was that? That was like my first, my first brew here, or something like that, right? No, Craig. Honestly, that was a good point. It would be an amazing summer beer, but you know what, man? We wanted to take people on a little bit of a vacation, 
like a little bit of a tropical vacation during the winter time. And like, you know, we had this whole like concept of a series where just like, man, like no one can travel right now. So like, how can we take people on a vacation through our recipes? And it never ended up fully getting executed the way we talked about, but, it, and it's still something we'll, we'll, we'll play with, but man, it's, it's crazy what like a little bit of mango in the winter time can do for your mood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really boozy. Cool. It was like, what was it, like 8 or 9%. So people loved it for enjoying over the holidays, right? Because, I mean, you're not going anywhere yeah. anyways. But especially near Christmas time, like, you just yeah. kind of hunker down, drink those Gosh. boozy beers, and enjoy yourself. Share them as well. Yeah. No, totally. I love that. Um, was that a New England style kind of IPA with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. And I know, I know I'm getting painted as a little bit of a purist on this one. But honestly, I love making the big New England. So like those are some of my favorite beers to to brew. And then yeah, like honestly, to me, uh, a really orange forward, mango forward, like that kind of a tropical fruit around Christmas. I actually love that. I know that's like not not what the industry tries to push, but man, that beer for the time was so perfect for me. I don't know, it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. I love it. So it's it's coming back again to the people. For the people. For the people. Not for Cameron. For the people. For the people. <laughs> <laughs> Love for you so much. Um, so I know we're probably like halfway through this beer. I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of time. Should we, I'm going to finish this light. Should we move on to the Raven and then so we can make sure we fit this in? You don't have to chug. I'm going to, I always, I always do this. Like I've actually been drinking all of these beers all the way through this evening because they're so crushable. But I typically would say beers to after. Would you guys like to move to the Raven? Yeah, let's talk about no, let's Raven. Let's jump to the Raven. Okay. I'm going yeah, to go Raven. I need to use the washroom. Um, would you be so kind as to uh, you know, break down what that's all about, the Black Lager and, and how that came about and, and what the deal is with that? We'll be back in 30 seconds. Absolutely. Um, Raven is one of my favorite beers here at Old Flame. Um as we've talked about, like we've talked about it a little bit throughout this uh, cast here, it's just, it's dark, it's got a ton of depth, and yet it finishes smooth and clean um, on the palate, and it makes you really want to go for another sip, which is which is so um, important with the lagers. It, it does look dark, but it's got a little bit of a ruby edging to it. Richard and I always like to look it up, like right to the light <laughs> to take a look at it. Um it's got this beautiful tan, frothy head to it. The aroma is just dark chocolate, dark roast coffee, a bit of smoke kind of near the end, and then the flavor translates all those flavors as well. Um, as Craig would say, get it in you. <laughs> yes. Um, Raven is just so, it's just got so much depth, and it's just so versatile as a beer. Like, I love pairing this beer with pretty much any like from apps to desserts it can go with anything like i don't know my dream dinner i guess would be like bacon rock scallops and then like a steak on the grill and then like a raspberry cheesecake and then just pair this beer with every single dish that would probably be like my go-to dinner (laughs) i want an invite to that dinner yeah exactly that's what i was thinking maybe maybe i should just do it and like do put it on the socials and just say hey this is the Raven go-to dinner, I guess. (laughs) Do it. What was the dinner? I love it. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, I said, I was just talking about how Raven 
is just so versatile and it can go with so many different foods. And I said, as an app, I would do bacon wrapped scallops and then something on the grill, like steak and then like raspberry cheesecake to finish. <laughs> oh man, I'm so hungry. I'm not thinking about it. I just ate that. <laughs> That's bacon wrapped scallops. So come on. Hey, Cam, can I, can I just blast you real quick once for one sec? Fire. Is, Go ahead. Is, is, is Laura, is Laura Cottrell your mom? Uh, yes. Why do you ask? Yes. Cause she just commented. Hi, Mrs. Cottrell. Oh, really? Classic. Hi, Mrs. Cottrell. Let me bring that that comment up. You know what's what's really funny, actually, is this means that my wife definitely just gave her the link because I intentionally didn't. But uh, I was talking to her and she was really excited because I was like, yeah, Craig, he's a, he's a podcaster from Montreal. Can my parents live in Montreal? And they're like, amazing. Oh. Maybe we can get some, <laughs> some beer tips from around Montreal. And I was like, guys, that's really not the point. No, 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 no. They can talk to you. You can pass them my email. Hi, Lara. Lovely. Thank you for coming. Raven is amazing. Yes, honestly, if you guys, if they more than seriously, I'll, I'll hook them up. I'll, I'll put them whatever they need to go, wherever they're at. I'll put them in touch. I know what's going on out here. Happy All right, to. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime, man. Genuinely, it's it's my pleasure. There's nothing better, obviously, than sharing beer with good people, right? This is what we're all here for. So, um, yeah, black lagers. Yo, black lagers are one of the most underrated styles, I think, in in beer. Um, they probably, and you guys can. I imagine you just spoke to this uh, Kira when when you were uh, talking about it. That uh, you know, I imagine this is probably something that would probably have the uh, largest pushback. As far as like, oh no, look, I mean, it looks like a Guinness or something like that, but it tastes like heaven. Yeah, like like I said before, I always encourage people at the tap room to have a sip mm. of it. Um, and yeah, they're always like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to like it. And then they have a sip and they're like, oh yeah, this is really good. Especially, I don't know, it's been raining here all day. So especially on a real dreary day, a black lager is just delicious to enjoy. I actually got to do a brew with Cam not too long ago for this beer. Nice. That was a great day. <laughs> I think that probably movie. is this so. batch, actually. Yeah? Yeah, maybe actually, this is yeah, this. Maybe. It's the Kiro batch? Yeah. This is... Um, yeah, it's, I believe it's, yeah. this is the Kiro batch. Fourth of April? <laughs> Package fourth of April? Yeah. I think that probably is the Kiro batch, which is awesome, honestly. I can that taste was, it. Yeah. It, yeah, on the the love and care that she put into it was unbelievable. I didn't have to stress out even one time. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> I was that, I, I was slinging green bags. <laughs> is that your uh, next move? Um, yeah, seriously. Trying to trying to move from comms to uh, to comms to cam. Yeah, I'm happy in comms, but I mean, the the more you learn, right? It just yeah, the, true. the more you can translate to to comms, but. Um, we usually leave this unfiltered, right? But then we filtered a most recent batch, did we not, folks? So I think that's like the, it's hard to tell unless you've got a light right by it because it honestly, with the time it spends in tank, especially this brand, we give it lots of time to really mature. It gets, it, it clarifies quite a bit, but we, uh, me and Richard have been talking about this since, well, like pretty much forever. Like you know, what would we what would happen if we filtered it? And I, I think that's the direction we're moving from now from now on. Realistically, um, it, it didn't change the character, like the flavor, too much. I don't think, um, but it, it definitely uh, 
if you shine a light through it, it's really ruby, which I'm about. No, <laughs> I, I have to say, uh, it's it's all for it. De- it depends, right? Like I have to say that I filtered that Raven, and it didn't even feel like filtering it. It it just went right through because it was it was aged. Like, and that's the thing about loggers, right? Is we talk about filtration, but like there's the first part of filtration, which is just the aging, and I think that's kind of like what what gets missed there is. A lot of times, if you're filtering a beer that's been aged appropriately, it's like you're you're hardly filtering anything out. It kind of goes through the sight glass on the one side and looks the same on the sight glass on the other side. And I feel like that's that's <laughs> really what's happened for us for Raven. So it, it was uh, it was a very not challenging filter. I'll put it that way. I love it. Um, no, it's if you guys a- don't mind, I, can I riff on this a little bit too, Craig? Of course, bro. Um, man, you know, one of the funny, I don't know, like, I don't know how many people you kind of talked to, um, about black loggers, but I I think I have a funny story around them. And it's like, uh, I wanted to share this with you guys. I know my team's heard me talk about this before, but, um, so black, black loggers, uh, are rooted in German, um, recipe design history, and they're called the Schwarzbeers. And essentially, the point of a Schwartz beer is if you were to drink it with your eyes closed, you wouldn't actually think of it as a dark beer because it drinks and uh, finishes like a clean Pilsner or uh, just a, a light a light lager. Mm-hmm. But then you open your eyes and you're just kind of like, oh, shit, this is really black. Um, and so the, and the way you go about that is um, you use like a refined malt. So you get the darkness from the roasted character, but the maltster is able to remove like that heavy roast burnt flavor that you would get from a Guinness or some of the stouts out there where like that roasted burnt character is actually acceptable and desirable. And so oftentimes when we're brewing this beer, I actually like, I think about like, man, like the first team of guys to design this recipe and like, you know, they're in their like German brewery and they're just hanging out and they're just like man like and it's so german to me in the sense that it's like tech because it's such a technically interesting beer it's like okay guys and let's just imagine me saying this in a german accent but just like okay guys like let's design a black beer with roasted malts but hold on let's take all of the roast and burnt characters out of it and to me like that is so nerdy and so geeky and so like craft to me um it's such a it's such a cool beer i couldn't agree more i feel like it's one of the more underrated styles in the lager realm as far as like what it offers and and the like this mouthfeel is exceptional and and i think um uh carrie you said earlier you said correct me if i'm wrong i think you said it's roast no it's toasty not roasty which one which way was this one which one was the black one yeah, no, I always say that the, what separates Brunette and Raven is that Brunette is toasted and then Raven's roasted. roasted. Okay. <laughs> so I was trying to, this feels like there's something, there's definitely a deeper sense of that sort of like, I won't say charcoal, but that realm of like, you know, fire element of how mm-hmm. deep the, these malts are actually, um, you know, toasted, I believe. Um, and the mouthfeel is crazy. And it's just like, I think, Rich, you were right. When you just like, if you close your eyes, you wouldn't be able to pick that this is what it looks like in any shape or form. 
I think it's one of the, the greatest sort of deceptive, deceptive uh, beer styles, more so than sort of even like the low ABV stouts and stuff who have a different, completely different profile. Even though if you put them side by side, they essentially look identical. Um, Definitely. And it's, it's something that, you know, maybe some people need to get, get over that hump. Once you try them, like you were saying, Kira, in the, in the, in the tap room, you're like, no, nah, look, try at the end of the, the dunk with this one. Just try it and you'll see. Like, give them an ounce, two ounces, and you're like, oh, wow, this is really something. Um, I feel like these are, of the whole range, aside from, I mean, the Hellas seems to be probably the most common, I'd say there'd probably be more black lagers than the others that are around. Am I stretching? I mean, I'm, I'm picturing Ontario specifically because you guys would be more familiar with that because there's not many black lagers here at all. There's a couple notable uh, black lagers. Um, I know anyone who went to Niagara College because Silversmith <laughs> is in Niagara on the Lake, the Silversmith black lager. Uh, everybody went and got those on tap. When you're at the school, great beer, um, man. And that's yeah. great beer. Honestly, only good memories. Um, there's Napanee, and yeah, Napanee. I, I actually think there's a couple more. I, I think that it's a style that you can connect to the stout drinkers a little bit, mm. but in like a again a, a more it, the drinkability is is very high, of course. So Super. and and with the lager kind of finish and and character. I think I think there's definitely a lot more uh, uptake on these compared to the the Dunkel and the Vienna for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you feel the same way I am, but it's like I mean they're all phenomenal in their own ways. I mean maybe because this I think you're right. I think maybe the stout drinkers are probably more attracted to this because there's some people who might not drink a lot of other things that we would consider pretty standard, but they'll be like balls deep in stouts and just be going hard on that. And then this would definitely speak to those individuals. So it's, it's yeah. We'd have I have people in the summertime come by and they're like, "Oh, what do you have for a stout on tap?" And I'm like, mm, "How about you try the black lager?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and not that we don't brew stouts. Like we'll have some in the winter months, but okay. for the most time, like if I recommend the black lager, they end up enjoying it and they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is the profile I'm looking for." Even though it might not have the same body, mm. it's all those same flavors that are coming through. That typically is what a stout drinker is looking for, right? Great point. I, I don't even feel like it's that far removed from. A, is this five percent? It is five yep. percent. I mean, look, if you put this in a side and in a, in a, like just a typical, you know, crushable five point five percent stout side by side, I mean, the differences are going to be. I was going to say minimal. Maybe that's being a little bit. I mean, they're going to have different flavor profiles, but they're not going to be like markedly like. Oh my gosh, it's crazy different. Like, so you're right. The person who's looking for that typical Guinness profile they're going to find part of that in this beer for sure and that's going to definitely hit some of those uh, tick off some of those boxes it's just like yeah it's, it's an interesting one I imagine this would probably even more so than the rest of them this would probably be the one that would get the most pushback because it looks scary in comparison to <laughs> the blonde that they're kind of looking for but I'm like yeah it's not that far removed from it really isn't a lot of our beers are super approachable and like that is just so awesome to say even people who don't drink craft beer that will come through our doors and you get some people who are like oh yeah like i don't drink craft beer and it's like okay well try the blonde they'll probably end up enjoying it and then you kind of just introduce them 
from there. And then when you get to the Raven, they're still enjoying it and they're, and they're surprised. Right. Mm. That's interesting. Cause I guess you have the perfect thing with people. I don't drink craft. Well, here's a good version of what you're used to. One thing mm. I just thought that just, kind of, as you said that, that was interesting to me is that I personally, and I imagine being that all of us have been into beer a while. So we're all kind of the same. Like there's a very, very large difference between a Blundale and a lager. And the fact that this, Hellas Lager was called, and, and if you look at it by itself, just called Blonde, you know, why is it called Blonde? It's a Hellas Lager. But then you see red, you know, but there's a reason, you know, obviously there's a naming convention for all of these beers, which is, is very, you know, a lot of common sense in that it makes complete sense. In and of itself, that word Blonde, has that ever affected it at all? Like, as far as, you know, because, like, I would argue that Blondes are inferior to the Hellas. And this hell is, is superior very much so than a typical blonde ale. But the blonde, does that ever throw people off that name? Or is it, I guess, if you're looking at on a board in the brew, you're seeing like, you know, everything in, in, in conjunction with each other. And it makes a lot more sense in that way. I, I, I think, like, so talking about like the blonde, it definitely throws people off. There's no doubt about that. Like the blonde ale, which is really common across all craft breweries in Ontario. I would say like, there's a, there's a lot of blonde ales out there and calling our Hellas longer blonde. I don't know. Kier would definitely be able to speak to how our consumer interacts with that. But the differentiation like of the, of the Hellas of our Hellas longer, especially compared to like a, a blonde ale is, is pretty day. enormous, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It, it really is night and day. Yeah. Like there's the focus, like I, I really get the, the little bit of like the, it's like a burnt matte sulfur at the start of our Hellas that really just, and then the cleanliness to the crispness, whereas like the blonde ales are, are focused on like, there's a lot, there's usually a lot of like fruity tastes and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm interested on this one too, Kira, like are like, do our customers ever think they're getting a blonde ale? Cause I, I think that, you know, they know what they're getting into with the loggers when they start with us. Right. I hope. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's too much confusion. I just think a lot of people like, like, I mean, obviously we preach that we're a logger house, but at the same time, um, I think people mostly get caught up in the color of beers, right? Like what mm. is the shade and that will give them an indicator on like what maybe the flavors, um, they can expect from it. So I think a lot of drinkers, as long as they see a, bright light clear golden beer they're expecting something easy drinking for the most part right do you ever get i'm, I'm just i don't know why it just because when you were just describing it before when you have your board in house it says blonde hellas lager next to it mm -hmm. so it's pretty obvious is that does mm -hmm. it say that yeah Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, it says blonde right underneath uh, Hellas Lager, and then we also have our hazy blonde, right, which is which is one Where's of my color favorites because I love the unfiltered brews. Yeah, the color beer. Yeah, so good, so good. Um, okay, I was just and, and they're and they're the same recipe, right? Uh, okay, just unfiltered. Yeah, exactly. And I okay. mean, I'm a hazy blonde lover, and Cam's a blonde lover, so we're like we're always battling. So, out, yeah. But. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And it is, it is slightly. So the recipe, the base recipe is in terms of like malt bill is the same where they get differentiated is, is yes. Infiltration, the blonde is, is filtered, but also in, in how they're, um, how they're cellared. 
So yes. Steve, our seller guy, has to pay a lot of attention to that stuff. So it's like it's how long it stays on the yeast. Um, and at what point in time it's actually, it's transferred to a finishing tank. So the, the Keller beer is supposed to be fresh. Like that's, that's part of the reason it's, it's the, we tell everyone the best place to get that beer is at the brewery. It is so good at the on brewery because you're getting it <laughs> on tap. It's okay. so good when it's fresh. I, I transferred a hazy blonde yesterday and having that thing as fresh as possible is is amazing. It's a great experience. Excellent. And yeah, I tell Kira, I like the blonde more, but that's, that's really <laughs> just cause you know, it's cleanliness. It's drinking it on a patio. It's just a different feeling. That's all. Gotcha. I, I feel that I had to, I mean, like I'll do the this week or late last week on the weekend. And I was so impressed with that one. I sent one to my brother actually from the first lot. My brother's a part of our podcast. He engineers it all. And he's a photographer, so sometimes if I get a few of his stuff, I'll make sure I hook him up to get some extra photos alongside Nate, our blogger, and you know, whatever I told you about, Rich. And um, he was loving that one. Loved it. He was losing his mind over it. And I, I, I'd only had the, uh, the blonde at that stage. So I was like, oh, I need to add this, uh, the, the Keller beer. And it was, I was so impressed. Just the whole lineup is, is super consistent, both branding-wise and um, – Obviously, you know, in, in, in all aspects, whether it's, you know, something like this, the, the pack that puts everything together, um, you know, now drinking them all and hanging out with you guys and actually hearing the stories behind them all, like I have a sort of a newfound appreciation. And then I had a couple of these beers prior, like I was saying, and I already enjoyed them thoroughly. And now I, I really get it. And I see why our community here at BOS, if you watch and follow us on social, we're always mentioning you guys. Um, I really understand the, you know, the now the ethos behind it all and the, the way you guys are coming from with it and the way that you guys are um, you know, helping your consumers understand the differences between these styles and, and what it means to, you know, the difference between a Vienna and a Dunkhorn and a Black Lager in comparison to something like a Hellas. And I think that's just a wonderful thing that you guys are doing for the craft beer scene, maybe more than you probably even know in a, in a world that now kind of is worshipping bloggers that you maybe weren't when you started, which makes it even more fantastic that you, you know, that so Jack took the, the leap to do that and continued on and just keep making, you know, kept making quality beer over the years to the point where now the beer nerds are telling me about it. Like, that's a, that's a fantastic achievement, I think, that you're able to convince the beer nerds of, I love all of us, but we're the worst. And <laughs> that they've been able to be convinced by this and to be like, yeah, you guys have been doing it for, for all of these years consistently, nonstop. I think that's uh, genuinely fantastic. And I'm even more excited after meeting you guys to, to get down there once uh, Mr. Ford within the provincial borders. Hopefully this summer we can... Uh, I was really looking forward, man. We, were, we used to be in Toronto once a month. Like it was a real regular thing for us. So this is kind of strange to be... Uh, you know, not not in, in town and stuff, so it's unfortunate. But uh, you know, I guess these these virtual situations allow us to continue to connect and you know, and build and get these stories firsthand. And I appreciate all of you guys for taking the time to um, to break it on down for everybody. So thank you all so much. Did we miss anything at all that we wanted to cover this evening? I think we kind of uh, nailed it all. Just come visit us in our tap room when you're ready to do so. Like, we just love 
people coming and making memories. So we can't wait to host people hopefully again soon. Fingers crossed. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. I, I, it it's, 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 yeah. And I was going to say, it's been a trip that uh, we're, you know, we're on here and we're talking about like well, this journey that we've been on for the past seven years. But uh, honestly, I think the next seven is going to be a lot more interesting. So stay tuned. <laughs> No, I love it. I, I appreciate all of your time. Thank you guys so much. You guys have been super generous and kind with us. And, and I know it's been awesome to get to know you guys and to, to hang out. And, um, you know, I'm even more of a fan than I was before. And uh, I, I thank you all very much. Where can the good people find Old Flame Brewery? And you guys individually, if you would like people to find you. You don't have to let people find you. But where, where should uh, everybody go? Um. We're available through our online shop 24-7. That one's open, uh, oldflamebrewingco.ca. Yeah, I keep perfect. Which is in the, in the, in the <laughs> comments for anyone watching on YouTube or the views that we're going to make. We're also available in select LCBO, so keep an eye out. If your LCBO does not stalk us, tell them to give us a ring and we will come there for sure. Um, and yeah, toss us a follow on Old Flame, Brewing Co. Uh, Old Flame Brewery uh, is our handle. And we're always pumping out cool content, so toss us a follow there. I love it. Cam or Rich, do you guys have anything to add to that, or do you want to keep uh, mysterious for the people? I, I am a terrible social media user, so you'll see me occasionally against my will in Kira's content on the old plane. Podcast. When I convince Cam to do it, he is in my videos, yes. It's all that matters. <laughs> um, do you know what I realized? We have to take the thumbnail for YouTube, so I'm going to take a screenshot. Um, do you want to hold up any cans or uh, anything? I'm going to hold up the mix pack because that's what we're here for. Yeah, I'll hold the mix pack. Yeah, mix pack. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay, you ready? <laughs> oh, that is gorgeous. That is just stunning. That is stunning. <laughs> um, honestly, guys, yeah, stick around for a sec. I'm going to wrap this up and we'll say goodbye. Um, awesome. But uh, everybody, thank you all for uh, commenting. Seriously, Lara, if you're still here, uh, Cam, you can give your mother my email. And I'm happy to, uh, <laughs> in the right direction. I will. Seriously. Um, you asked for it, man. I warned you. <laughs> yeah, you you asked for it. Um, look, I'm more than happy. I love it. It's nothing better than sharing, uh, sharing great beer with everybody, right? Um, so everybody, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast and check out the long-form audience. You can hear attractive individuals like the good team at Old Flame Brewery talking about craft beer. We'll be back tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. We are out here every week. We'll see you guys then. Get in.